This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 30th. You heard me correctly, August 30th. We're almost to Labor Day weekend. I'm your host, D Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by this gorgeous, very good-looking group of an editorial staff of Robert Holman right below me, Kevin Kovac, I guess it'd be this way. There we go, Kevin Kovac and Kyle McFadden. Uh, Kovac, they are human. Uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. and Bobby Pierce finally lost some races this past weekend. Uh, they finally had some bad luck hit them, and it's kind of crazy it happened on the same night. Uh, you were at Port Royal. We'll get to Robert Holman right after you. He was at uh, Davenport. But Ricky Thornton Jr. had just a plethora of just problems on Saturday night at Port Royal. Almost shocked the world and rallied from dead last. Got up to, I think, second or third. Uh, then during the yellow, his, uh, had another mechanical failure in his backup car. Uh, then Hudson O'Neill. I mean, great night of Port Royal. Uh, they get their first win in two months. And I know, uh, Rocket won and especially Hudson O'Neill can finally just, you know, breathe a little bit easier, especially so many close calls here this past couple months. Uh, all in all, a sweet weekend at Port Royal, but Hey, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr. and Pierce are, they, you know, they're human a little bit. Yeah. I'll start with Thornton there. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, of course he won on Thursday night. <clears throat> yeah, the the Thursday night uh, Lucas race at Georgetown Speedway in Delaware, which was pretty pretty impressive win, going from sixth to first uh, in six laps late in the race. I mean, he just turned it on uh, and, and took over that race. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive, like just the way he could flip a switch and, and get going so much and so fast, passes three cars on one restart and, and takes uh, you know the last two, uh, Marler and in in in. Branded Overton, right? You know, take the lead there. Man, it was it was pretty good. Uh, and it's and third and Friday night in the Twin Twenty One and his Twin Twenty Five semi feature at Port Royal was, it was sort of a, it was almost the same. He really came on at the end of the race. If that race was a little bit longer, or if there had been a caution flag, uh, he would have he would have probably he could have either won that or he would have been you know he would have given it a good shot. And then Saturday everything went wrong. Probably broke a it looked like he broke a lifter. Uh, was a diagnosis after he won the heat race. So he'd go to the backup car, starts 25th in the backup car, which has been run over 100 times, a 2019 Longhorn. Uh, only run once this year, though, uh, after he had had to go to the backup at, a, at the Show Me 100 weekend on uh, a prelim night. Uh, but he had, didn't even miss a beat. Just comes up, goes through the field from 25th. I mean, how many times does a guy win a national touring series race from 25th or, you know, way in the twenties, even in the double figure starting spots. Um, and he was coming on to do it. He was, he had just actually taken second when the caution came out on lap 40. I mean, he, he didn't had to go back to, to third because of the caution, but he would have been second if the caution hadn't come out. But then after a couple laps, cars overheating too much, because it had a hole in the radiator and he had to, you know, stop in the backstretch to save the motor and pull off a, you know, I would have, that would have been one heck of a exciting 10 laps uh, uh, left in that race because Hudson O'Neill, he had already pa- been passed by Thornton. He was uh, a spot behind uh, Ricky. And after that lap, after that, Hudson had figured out like, that's how hard I got a race. I mean, he'd seen what Ricky was able to do on the top. And he said that I got to pick it up. I got to get the elbows up, you know? Right. And he stepped on it more and uh, he, he was able to pull off a win past Davenport with six to go to win the race. And um, 
and I admit, it just would have been one heck of a show for that last oh, uh, last 10 laps if Ricky wouldn't have gotten had to drop out because I mean, Mike Waller was right there too. Jonathan Dapport, you know, they were they were all it was it was a good race until, you know, uh, and Hudson took the lead. Then he kind of pulled away. I mean, he was really flying, um, you know, those last five laps. man, he opened up a good a good edge on every on everybody else. But, man, I, I just to mention about Port Royal, though, Port Royal was awesome all weekend. Probably the best racing I've seen there with the late models ever. I mean, I've seen some good races with the late models for a big track, but man, it was really, I mean, people were slide, guys were sliding each other. They were pulling them, you know, they, and it wasn't, there wasn't anybody, nobody was tearing stuff up. It wasn't like motors were blowing up or anything all left and right. Big track, it was fast, but man, it was, it was really entertaining racing. Yeah. And Kyle McFadden, uh, Hudson O'Neill first win in about two months. Uh, he's had the lead plenty of times in those two months. He either just lost it, uh, you know, just kind of messed up in the final laps. We saw Deer Creek. He's been in contention for plenty of these races. How impressed were you by the young, you know, driver to get that win after falling back to fourth place? And we're kind of thinking, okay, Hudson's right there, but I don't know if he's going to have enough to get, finish it off and get that win. But he proved he proved me wrong, especially. Did he prove you wrong a little bit there before that before that last restart? Yeah, for sure. I thought that, you know, things have been fading there for Hudson, right? And and then, but, um, you know, that, that top was, even though that bottom was getting better, you know, like throughout the race, because Matt Cosner ran up from 15th to finish fourth there, and he used pretty much that bottom the whole way around. Uh, but, you know, like that said, like, that top, I, I felt like Hudson was, if there was ever a place, you know, for Hudson to, to get back up on the wheel and right the ship in those last few laps, it'd be, it'd be on that top. Right. And so, um, I mean, he looked as good as he's been all year in that race on Saturday. So, um, I think that bodes well for the rocket one team here to, to end the season. You know, I mean, there's a lot of big races left, right? Obviously, the World 100 and then Knoxville Late Model Nationals and then the Pittsburgher and then, um, you know, just some of those there to name. And so, but I mean, he looked as good as he was back at the start of the year. And and um, and it's hard to believe, you know, that was his first Lucas Oil win in a full field at least since since uh May the fourth at Atomic, which I was there for that race too. And and um so yeah, I mean it's also not like he has had a, a bad summer. I feel like he set the bar so high to start the year. Um you know, like when you set those expectations, the torrent pace that he had you know, back in Florida and Georgia, um, it'd be difficult to sustain that, right? You know, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he looked as good as he's been and Port Royal has been a good track for him too, you know, traditionally. So I think he won there back in 2021. So good win for them, much needed win for the Rocket One team. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how, how much, momentum they can carry over from this past weekend into into the world and then also the hillbilly um at tyler county too on sunday so 
Yeah, Mark Richards going to be back at his home state in company with Hudson O'Neill for the Hillbilly 100. Then the World 100, which I know they left kind of a pretty good, pretty good feeling after the dream. They felt like that was the best balancing car they've had. So let's see if, like Kyle McFadden says, if the Rocket One can continue that success. And then Knoxville, the one that's been eluding him for so long. Uh, we'll see if he can get that win for Mark Richards. Or that tra- that car is always good there in that Iowa Super Speedway. Uh, speaking of Iowa, our boy Robert Holman was up there for the World of Outlaw races. Three solid nights of racing. Uh, but, but, though, about two and a half uh, days or nights of races, uh, Bobby Pierce kind of stunk up the field there, Robert Holman. Then all of a sudden, he gets a flat tire, the Gremlins. Got a hold of Pierce the same night as the Gremlins got a hold of Ricky Thornton Jr. And Brandon Shepard picks up a much, much needed victory as well. $30,000 payday at the quarter mile. Uh, we'll probably get to the news a little bit later about the Kai situation. But just the shenanigans that happened up there. Pierce was dominant all weekend. Then he had that heartbreak. And then here comes Sheppy, consistent all weekend long, gets the big payday. Yeah, it was hot. Pierce was hot. I'm glad you survived. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Thursday was bad. Friday was not as bad, but it was, uh, it was still really, really humid. Saturday was as wonderful uh, as Saturday was as good as you could possibly ask for at a dirt track. In my, in my opinion, uh, cool. It got, you know, there are people wearing jackets and they, you know, you go from Thursday to, you know, it's sweltering heat and you, there's no, place to, to go and then you go to Saturday people wearing jackets it's, it's for for that to happen at the same track in a two-day span was kind of odd but uh but yeah the, I survived the weather uh people survived the the Bobby Pierce attack you know two nights in a row where he just really it looked like he dominated everything but if you look at at the laps and stuff you know he I think he led like 70 something laps. He didn't lead every race lap to lap. So, uh, flag to flag. So that was good. Chris Madden had, uh, a nice debut in his Longhorn leading a bunch of laps, but just couldn't, couldn't put the finish on it. Couldn't wrap it up at the end, but he just, uh, he's lacking a little something there, uh, towards the end of these races, uh, in terms of finishing off what he starts there. So I'm, I'm sure he'll get that figured out and figure out how to, how to make his, uh, make his car last from, from 40 laps, 50, 60 laps, you know, instead of just 25 to 30 laps. Uh, but then Bobby Pierce, you know, what can you say about, about Bobby? Uh, he had won seven in a row or something like that coming into the finale and, and, uh, like nine of 10 and just the stats just kept piling up and piling up about how good he's been over the last month. And, and he was equally as good. He looked like he was he was being pressured there when he had that flat by by Dennis Herb Jr. But you know you're not really sure if he was being pressured because his tire was going down, or if he just had a blowout. You know, but you know Dennis was running second there, and you really thought that he was catching him and had a legit chance to drive by him because he was really kind of getting up to his quarter panel. And, and all of a sudden Bobby's car just jerks to the right. And I was like, you know, eyes get big and I'm like, holy cow. And, uh, and Dennis was able to get by, but Dennis never actually officially led a lap, uh, because Brandon 
Shepard passes him on the restart and officially leads the next lap and takes off and, and he's gone. Uh, it looked like Dennis, Dennis Herb made a, I don't know if it's a bad choice or if his car just wasn't the way he needed it to be or what, but, um, you know, Dennis gave up the, the inside, which is just as rare as that's just unheard of for Dennis to give up the inside on a restart or whatever. And, uh, and, and, uh, Brandon was just there to capitalize. And once he got by him, he was gone. And, you know, like you said, it was definitely a, a much needed win for, for Brandon Shepard. It was a popular win. I'm not sure if, um, you know, I think Bobby Pierce at the moment probably has his, I was, as I was leaving Thursday or Friday night, my, my daughter was there with me and I, I looked to her and I, I said, you know, it's amazing how many fans you get when you start winning at this level, because there were a lot of Bobby Pierce fans there, a lot of people cheering for him when he won Thursday and Friday. Uh, you know, Bobby Pierce is the type of driver who typically has gotten a lot of booze. And so when that flat tire happened, he actually, there were people cheering that he, you know, that he had that flat. So I was like, Oh yeah, there they are. There are those people that, that don't like Bobby Pierce. You know, they were cheering. And some of those people probably, you know, you can't say what, Oh, well they like Sheppy because Sheppy wasn't in the lead. Sheppy wasn't, didn't take advantage of that just yet. But when that race was over and, and Brandon Shepard won, uh, then, then the Shepard fans definitely came out and he had a lot of people at his trailer, a lot of people surrounding him and, it was just a very good win. I'm not going to say it's a feel-good win for, for Brandon Shepard, but, you know, he struggled with this car. He struggled more so than people probably thought with this Longhorn car uh, to start the season. And, and you say, oh, he's doing it. He's struggling to start the season. The start of the season is way behind us, guys. You know, the start of the season's over. We're in August. We're about to be in September. So... This has been a year-long struggle. It hasn't been an early season, just no longer a early season struggle. And she did have the big win, you know, uh, the big Lucas Oil win was $50,000. That kind of, like, helped him, you know. And then he obviously met with uh, Kevin Rumley and drove that car for a couple of days, and that kind of helped him. So he's definitely on the right track. And he's had a lot of near misses. He has a lot, had a lot of top five finishes. He just hasn't had the finishes that we're used to seeing out of Brandon Shepard. So for him to get this win was really, really big uh, for his program. It's, it kind of like puts a stamp, another stamp on it to say, yes, we're doing the right thing here and, uh, and moving forward. But, but, you know, you can't say that he struggled to start the season anymore because we're, we're three quarters, we're beyond three quarters of the way through the season now. And uh, and he still is not still hasn't shown the flashes of that Brandon Shepard that we're used to seeing. But man, when he got out in the lead, when he got past Dennis there on that restart, that was like, you know, this is like the, the, the guy that we've been used to seeing over the last five or six years. And, and he was he was gone and it was a very popular win and, and a very uh, much needed win. Not only you think that how does a guy like Brandon Shepard not have confidence? I don't know. You know, he's won everything there is to win just about. But, uh, but you know, this is just one of those races that, that kind of gives him a little 
a little extra confidence, some some much needed a much needed confidence boost, you would say. Robert, I'm going to come right back to you. The bigger big storyline that came on later that night, uh, earlier the next day, was you know Ricky Kai and his uh, lovely wife. They're going to relieve their duties of being the promoter there at Davenport. And then, of course, you saw all the social media posts. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I thought I didn't think that was going to be happening because that last four or five years they've been running it. They've made so many dang improvements to that place. They've been contention for race of the years. They've had plenty of specials, but I mean, just just really quickly here, I'm sure you probably talked to Ricky White after. Just how was he feeling, and just kind of like some news that kind of shook the you know the late model world, especially here in the Midwest, Iowa, Iowa, Illinois area. Uh, yeah, I did speak with Ricky uh, before I got on my plane uh, Sunday, and then I spoke with him again after I came home. Uh, I spoke with him and his wife both at, at in length there after I got back home. And uh, it was just a decision. There, a lot of things went into the decision. It's not something that was just, uh, it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to anything necessarily. Uh, but they, there were some issues uh, with, with some personnel there at the track. And I think my, my, the vibe I got was they don't need, they don't need the stress. They don't need the distraction. They don't need, they, Ricky said it was like, and I don't know if this is actually the eighth, but Ricky told me that, you know, the racetrack is like the eighth business that he's involved with. And I don't know if it actually is the eighth, but I know it's one of, one of many, you know, he's a a lifelong farmer and he's got several things that, that he is involved with. And when you have that many irons in the fire and you have some problems at, at one of them, the one you usually get rid of is the one that you have problems at. And that's, that's the situation there with the, with Ricky and his family there at the racetrack, they've got some, some personnel distractions. And I don't feel like that. I think that they feel like they haven't gotten all the support from, uh, from a couple of people on the fair board. I think that, that they have, they needed to move forward. And they just said, "Hey, you can have it. We're we're done," and uh, and that's that. Again, it's not something that happened this weekend necessarily. It's happened. To, uh, they've had some issues there throughout the season, and then uh, some some stuff. You know, one thing that maybe uh, did happen this weekend. They're like, "Okay, well, we don't need this anymore. We don't need this stress in our lives." So. So yeah, it's unfortunate for somebody to come into a racetrack and build such a good product. And because I've been to this event, this is my third time to this event, and it has gotten bigger and better every single time. The place was absolutely packed uh, on Saturday night. You know, Friday was a good crowd. Uh, Thursday was a good crowd, considering it was kind of a a, a prelim night, and it was so blazing hot. And then the crowds just got bigger at, throughout the, the weekend and Saturday was packed. You had a, a lot of buzz, you know, as far as, you know, they're like, it was like a, a, you know, it was at a fairgrounds, but it was a truly like a fair type atmosphere with, with about 10 or more food trucks there and, and all the souvenirs out there on souvenir row and all the stuff that they did for uh, kids and the, the, toys for tots type situation there with the hokers bringing a truck and filling it up with the uh, Christmas gifts and stuff for kids. 
it was a wonderful event that you hate to see uh, kind of like up in the air now in terms of we don't know where this is going to go. Uh, plus, not only this event, but they have they have had a bunch of regional races. They've they've done a bunch there at that racetrack to uh, to really elevate its status. And like you said, Derek, you know, races of the year a couple of times or, or one time and then uh, a candidate Attention, another time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I went I first went there in uh, 2000 for a uh, have a Tampa race when it was out on the big track. And and to see the racing that has evolved and see all the the good races that they've put on on the little track, you know, which is much better, in my opinion, uh, is is. As beyond belief, you know, it's hard to believe that this is uh, you don't know which direction is going is going to happen there now with the, the Davenport Speedway. Yeah, it's uh, be very interesting how the future of that quarter mile uh, at the Quad Cities up there in Davenport, Iowa. Like I said, it's been just continuing to get better and better every single year. The painting on the walls, the new suites, like it really was turning into a happening place. He had the three national touring series there and a lot of regional shows as well with Mars, MLRA, and the Summer Nationals. Uh, so what I thought was very interesting back at Port Royal Kovac was – it was a fifty thousand dollar to win race uh, for pretty much all of them, besides maybe I eighty. You only do eighty laps, but that's still plenty of time. Plenty of uh, time for the fans to get involved in the race, drivers to come and go. But at Port Royal, fifty grand to win. It was fifty thousand or fifty grand to win fifty laps that they raced for. So I'm going to ask you, what's your thoughts on these? You know, crown jewels. Is it okay to have you know not a hundred laps like we're used to seeing like in the historical, you know, old times and how we've always done it, their traditions. Or do you think it's okay that we can go to 50 laps? Do you think the fans, you know, they're paying again to the race. They're going to be like, well, I, don't, I know I'm not going to pay 20 bucks to go watch a, you know, 50 lap, $10,000 to win race. But if I go to a $50,000, I'm paying 50 bucks, but it's still, you know, only 50 laps. Is that okay too? So what's your overall thoughts? I don't know. I thought it was, I don't think it matters for the drivers at certain tracks. 50 laps was plenty of time, obviously, to see a guy from the tail go for the win there before he had mechanical problems. So what's your overall thoughts on, you know, the 50-lap uh, crown jewel type, uh, you know, because a lot of them are 100 laps? Well, I think I want it to be longer. I think if it's going to be $50,000 or, you know, even $40,000 or more, something like that, it, it needs to be more than it. That's more than the regular race. I mean, most races are 50 or 40, 40 or 50 laps. It seems like for 10,000, maybe 15, 12, whatever they are now. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm looking, looking at it as a, as a fan too, that would be wanting to go and watch this race. I want a little bit more for that 50, for that big, huge purse. I mean, it, it, if you're putting up that much money, you, you sh it should be something different than, than those regular uh, you know, races too. I mean, it, it, it should be more challenging for a driver to win it. Uh, I mean, 50 laps, of course, I, that probably does make it more open to more drivers. I mean, not every driver can win a hundred lapper. I mean, that that's like, uh, there, it takes a, takes a special uh, ability to be able to, you, you gotta be, can, you gotta conserve some, you gotta know when to go, when to, when to conserve, you know? And then, um, 
But it, it's just always been my feeling that if you're going to have that big of a race, it needs to be longer. It needs to be it needs to be more more of a challenge than a regular 50 lapper. And uh, I, I know Port Royal is a big racetrack. 100 laps is a long way on that. But uh, so, so maybe I would feel it should be at least a 75 lapper. It should be something longer than you, you normally would. Uh, uh, it, a fan, you could look at it as like, you know, a fan, like you said, pays a certain price for that race paying 10000 or 12000 or $15,000 to win. And then they come for a 50000 to win race. And, and it, the, per, the, the admission price is going to be more because they're paying for this bigger purse, but they're really getting the same amount of laps. Of course, they get more, the most likely get more drivers, more, you know, more competition, you could say, and uh, more atmosphere or something. But, you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, you want something bigger than for your money, I think, for, for that long of, for that, for that important uh, and, and lucrative of a race. Uh, so I feel like, hey, make them longer. If they're, I, I don't want a regular 50 lapper. I mean, of course, like, you know, uh, don't let it be too long of a night either. That should be, that should be part of the deal there. Like, you know, you don't have a super, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff on the, on the program, but um, so you can feature that hundred laps, but 75 to a hundred laps. I want something a little bit more for the, for the big money race. So what do you say to guys like Rigsby and Ben that love like the 25 lap shootouts and they're like perfectly fine with these 50 lappers. Cause they think, and the drivers too, I guess, Kovac, because they're not going to argue. They're like, they'll be okay with only 50 lap, 50 grand yeah. races. No doubt about that. <laughs> There's more guys that could win them, I think, the 50 lap, right? I mean, probably, right. you know, like you don't have to be as experienced probably. I mean, it takes a takes a lot. It takes more probably time to get to that point where, you know, that could be a reason, right? Like Billy Moyer and Scott Blunkers won so many big races uh, in, in their time because there was a lot of 100 lappers too. Uh, and they had an advantage there because they knew how to run them. Um, but if you went all 20, I mean, I like 25 lappers too, but 25 lappers, you know, if we're going to be doing that all the time, go sprint car racing, you know, I mean, that's sprint car races. I mean, that that's true. I, I don't want to see a race that, that quick too, all the time. I like, if I'm, if I'm coming to a real big event, long, a, a big show, big money race, I, I, I gotta have a little bit more for my, uh, my taste than just the, you know, the, the bare minimum of laps like that. I want, I want longer race. Uh, Kyle McFadden, what is your overall uh, general feelings and thoughts about this situation? I know you talked to Hudson O'Neill and he, obviously the drivers and crews and car owners, they're okay with these 50 lap, $50,000 to win races. So they're not, I mean, if they said, all right, we're going to ask the drivers at the drivers meeting how many laps we're going to do. I'd say majority of them will pick the shorter distance just because of, you know, different scenarios like that. But as a fan, what do you think about it? Media person as well. I mean, does it really, what's your, you know, general thoughts on it? Yeah, I wish that it was longer, right? I think like even like 50 laps, 50,000 to win, like 50,000 to win, like Kevin mentioned, at least at the bare minimum, 60, right? Um, but I will say too, I did a story on, you know, this event at Port Royal last year, talk with Steve O'Neill track promoter about it. And it's his decision to, to keep this race 50 laps. He even said, um, it is the sprint car guy and him, um, having that 
influence and in, in keeping this race specifically at 50 laps? I mean, I'm even looking at the story right now in the quote that he gave me. He said that he doesn't like to see tire races and fuel races. Um, and, you know, I understand that from a sprint car side, but, you know, I mean, that's what makes the 100 lap races what they are, right? Um, and so, obviously, fuel stops, you don't have to worry about that in late model racing. The one part that I really just kind of bothers me about sprint car racing is the fuel stop, like at the Knoxville Nationals, you know, that's 50 laps and they, they have to make a fuel stop at lap 25 there. And so, I mean, it, that takes away the grandeur of the Knoxville sprint car nationals. Right. And that kind of bothers me year in and year out. And those, those sprint car fans won't, it probably, it, it just like probably won't bother a sprint car fan as much because that's all that they're used to. Right. But us late model folks, you know, we enjoy those a hundred lappers. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like if I'm a basketball player and if I'm only required to, to play a 16 minute game versus a full, like 32 minutes back in high school, of course I would take the 16 minute game, right? I can play harder. Uh, my cardiovascular endurance, I won't, you know, need it as much. I won't need as much mental energy to get through that shorter game. So like, of course, like drivers and teams will say that they don't want the longer races, but like, you know, I just feel like Port Royal is, is would be a, a perfect setting for that possibly a 100 lap race. I mean, I don't know if, if, if you've seen the 200 lap big block modified races there, Kevin, but I've been there for a few of them and those were, those were some of the best long distance races I've ever seen. Um, you know, Matt Shepard coming through the field multiple times when he had issues, I think like two years ago. And um, I mean, just like so many comers and goers. And so like Port Royal is plenty capable of hosting a longer distance race. So I'm all for it. Um, I also understand uh, Steve O'Neill's perspective on wanting to keep it shorter for the sprint car fan. Cause there's a lot of sprint car fans in Pennsylvania, but we're not there for sprint car racing that night. We're there for the late models. And so, please give me a longer race at Port Royal. That's, that's my wish. Um, don't think it'll happen, but maybe one day. You weren't there for the four by fours is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, I was not. All right. All right. Just making sure. I think they had those. Didn't they have like little Hornet type race of cars there? I thought like in between, or was it just late models or am I just like way out to lunch on this? I don't know. Oh, exactly no, that was at Georgetown. That was at Georgetown. That was Georgetown. at Georgetown. Georgetown, right. Okay. Even Georgetown's right. race was 49 laps, right? Like 49 laps, 18,000 to win there. You know, you turn around two race. days later. and it, Yeah, it was a great race. Uh, but, like, that's what, like, that warranted, like, 49 laps, like, that warranted, like, that was plenty for that race, right? Port Royal, wish we have, wish, just wish we had more there. Robert, I think sometimes, too, when you go into a race, at least I think about it, certain tracks when they have 100 lappers, you're like, oh, man, this one could be a rough one. It's not going to be very good, you know, the final 20 laps. But if you go to Forge, you're like, all right, the last 10, 15 laps historically have been awesome. 
I think sometimes when you go into a race knowing it's 100 laps, you can kind of get, like, fatigued just, like, seeing results the last few years. Like, well, this isn't going to be very good. They should shorten up a little bit because those first 45 to 60 laps were pretty damn good. So, I don't know. What's your overall overall thoughts on, like, the 100 lap or, or the $50,000 to win only being 50 laps? Or does it really bother you? I mean, does it bother a race fan, I guess, too? Well, first I have to point out that – you look a little sleepy today, uh, Derek. Why do you say that? Because you've been yawning. I've, I've, I got you. We're on. We people can see us now. We made that change like about what a year ago. <laughs> people can actually see us, so I can see you kind of yawning there. And then the, the second thing I wanted to point out was Kyle used the word cardiovascular. That's not something that I had, you know plan to hear this morning uh during this uh during this podcast cardiovascular so uh so and then i guess the next thing is the fact that kyle's not taking up for his sprint car brethren which he usually does you know he's usually usually leans towards them so kudos to him for for sticking up for what's right for once uh finally for once but uh but no uh in all in all seriousness uh, when I, you know, I'm an old guy and I've used to seeing hundred lap, $10,000 to win races back in the day. So I expect to see, uh, when, when those $10,000 to win races get turned into $50,000 to win races, I do not expect to see the laps go down. I expect the laps to stay the same. Uh, you know, the $10,000 to win races are our old three and fives. So, so, okay. If, 40 50 laps for those races are, are that's fine but I, for our crown jewel and i don't i don't know if you guys can correct me if i'm wrong is is port royal a, a true crown jewel race i don't think so kevin's kind of saying no so i don't think that it is but for a true crown jewel event that race needs to be 100 laps if you want to say you want a crown jewel and you have got fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, and a trophy and a big check, and one of those races where they give two checks, you know, one for the car owner and one for the driver. And if you, or if you're going to win one of those races, it's it should be a hundred lapper. Period. That's just hands down. Uh, now, as far as these fifty lap, uh, fifty thousand dollar to win races, yeah, they should be uh, at least seventy five laps period no less than 75 laps they should there should be something extra and like you mentioned Derek if you ask a driver he's always going to choose less laps it's funny that when you drop the purse they all if the purse goes the other direction they're like well we're not going to run as many laps are we but when the purse starts going north they're they they don't want to go they don't want to go up in laps it's kind of funny how that works with these guys uh So, so yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, those races should be a little bit longer. You get more bang for your buck. You're paying more to get in. You know, I don't want to, and like, you know, we mentioned here, I don't want to pay $30 to get into a a 25 lap race at my, at my weekly show and then pay $40 to get into, uh, uh, a 50 lap race on a, on a, holiday weekend and then they have this huge race and i'm paying fifty dollars to get in but it's still a 50 lap race i mean come on i i need i need it, it all has to balance out it all has to to be the same 
Now, I will make up a couple of points. Two factors definitely play into this. The size of the track is a big, big factor. Um, for instance, I think we could go a few more laps at Macon, you know, but uh, the biggest thing about Macon, uh, you know, for the Herald and Review, it's a 100-lapper. I think it should pay more. I think that 100-lap race at, at Macon is one of those 100-lappers that actually needs to pay more to get it up to what it takes, even though it's a short race if it goes flag to flag because the track is so small. I think that that race should probably pay more to get it to where it's tough to run a hundred laps at Macon because it is, you have to be focused. You have to, you have to, anything can happen, you, you know, so uh, and things happen very quickly. So I think that that race, the Herald Review should pay more uh, if we're going to do a hundred laps there. And I have no problem with a hundred laps there. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely think that race, should, the pay should kind of creep up to kind of, um uh, equal how many laps are running and then the second thing is the pay and i everyone knows i'm an advocate for pay through the field you can't have the same amount of pay for 24th to 10th because if you get these 100 lappers they're going to start dropping out the cars are going to start dropping out and it's going to be a bad race i don't care what anyone says back markers are a necessity for our sport because it does sometimes they're in the way i i get this but but they uh promote exciting racing how many times have you watched a race and you see a guy get out to bike a half a straightaway lead and i guarantee we've all thought it you thought to yourself well if this thing just doesn't have a caution he's going to get into traffic and then all of a sudden we're going to have a good race here. The guys running second and third are going to run up on him. And this guy's going to have to make some decisions and, and we're going to see an excellent, a, a much better race. Well, if you pay the same amount of money from 10th to 24th, you're going to have about six to eight guys that are just going to park after about the first time they get the move over flag. Okay. So the second time they get the move over flag, if they would get it or if they just kept racing and racing and racing, they're not going to be out there. So the leaders are just going to keep stretching and stretching and stretching his, his advantage. And all of a sudden you don't have uh, that exciting element of the sport that we kind of look forward to sometimes. And I get the fact that people don't like, some people don't like uh, tire games and some people don't like the fuel games. I personally don't like the fuel games in our sport. I think that we are allowed a 32 gallon cell you top it off. We don't need fuel stops anymore. Uh, we don't run methanol anymore. So uh, we should be able to go the distance. Uh, I think if you have a long race that has a an insane amount of cautions, should be the only time you're allowed to stop for fuel in today's uh, just the way the sport is now. You know, you've got. Uh, I, I hate to see a race. If a guy loses a race because he runs out of fuel because he forgot to put fuel in a tank, that's on him. If a guy loses a race uh, because uh, he's trying to get his balance just right early in the run and only puts 26 gallons in the fuel instead of 35 or 32 or whatever in the fuel cell, that's on him. But if a guy loses a race because of fuel, when you've had 72 cautions and they've had to sit and ride around for half the night, that is not on that driver. That is on the either the track or the, people driving the wrecker who can't get to the wrecks fast enough or 
that's not on that driver. So at that point, you have to make an adjustment and say, we're going to give these guys five minutes to put some fuel in their car. All right. So that's the only, that's the only time. So when you have these long distance races, you have to take into all these, you have to take in all these factors and understand we're trying to make the product better for our fans because we're charging them an arm and a leg and we want them to come back the next time we run this show. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Me personally, I'm an old guy. I want to see the long distance shows for the, for the big money period. I am old. I'm the oldest one on this podcast right now. I don't know if I'm, I hope I'm not the the oldest one listening. Uh, yeah, I hope I'm not the oldest one listening for sure, but I'm definitely the oldest one speaking here. So, uh, so yeah, from an old guy, let's go a hundred laps. Let's, Pay the big money, but pay it through the field, and let's go 100 laps. Show off that dad strength. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I I could be, you know, there you go, John Wall on it. Uh, I could be convinced either way. I think 50 might be a little too short, but, like, Knoxville, uh, they lowered their laps to 80 because they didn't want to do that, you know, pit stop like they've done there for, like, a few years where people are just running out of gas. So I think Port Royal would be about in the same, you know, scenario maybe just they run an 80 lap race because that race is so good you don't want it to end but other times there's 100 lap races if there was if it was only 50 laps uh then you're like okay we're gonna go out there very happy uh Kovac uh we'll start with you with one more thing I like everybody's options there though but I think we're like purist I think we, we like the 100 lappers we can maybe tweak it depending on the racetrack and other things but why we'll you start off with one more thing before we end the show here buddy I wanted to mention just uh, the the big crowd that was at Georgetown Speedway on Thursday night for their first ever Lucas Oil race. It was the it was the first really big you know national tour race for late models in Delaware for uh, you know several years. Also, um, been was rained out in April, so fortunately we were able to get it on the schedule. It was made for a long overnight haul over you know four four and a half hours for everybody to get the Port Royal. But uh, it, it was well worth it, and there were three rain delays just from that little nagging, you know, some drizzle that kind of came down a couple times. Not Never nothing hard enough to uh, end the night with that big crowd in the grandstand, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe if there wouldn't have been anybody there, it would have been a big loser or something for promoter Brett Dale. Uh, uh, maybe they would have been like, oh, this is a chance to, you know, call it off, but Man, th- that race was going on until four in the morning with all those people in the grandstand, or it was going to be on Tuesday afternoon or something. It was going to be sometime because they were not going to have to refund all that money because there was a great crowd. Good to see that too uh, for a, for a racetrack that's um, you know got a little off the beaten path. You know, it's it's like sticks out there. You know, you got to travel to get to the the Delaware racetrack. So uh, very very happy to see how how uh, how that show turned out. Real real good one. And a good racing too. Yeah, it was a good, yeah, good race as well as Ricky Thornton Jr. hit the turbo buttons, hit the mushrooms like yeah. you had a Mario Kart. It went from six to first in a handful of laps to get the dub. Ricky Thornton with another win. All right, Kyle, what about you, buddy? Did you have some good food at Port Royal? I had some great food at Port Royal, and I'm going to be eating good this. I got weekend. no pictures then, this year. Oh, well, it's the fair, fair coming up this week. This is the one for him. This is his week. Saturday okay. fair opener, Port Royal. That was going to be part of my one more thing. Uh, the United Late Model Series actually coming down to the wire here between Tyler Emery uh, and the championship battle uh, with Ryan Montgomery, too. One point separates those two drivers. and uh, So there's five races left in the series. Two of them are this weekend, Friday, at Bedford, 
and then Saturday at, at uh, Port Royal, fair opener, a lot of food and uh, a lot of uh, food, food picks coming your way there, Suave. And so uh, I'll make sure to fill you in and, and, and uh, give you play by play updates as we, you know, work, work, work through the night there. All right, perfect. Cannot wait to see some pics of some pound cake up there in Port Royal Speedway, pound which cake, if you guys don't know. Barbecue, yeah. you name it, man. You got it all. Look out. Well, He'll probably eat more than that breakfast buffet that we had at uh, Flo there that one winter. Uh, for oh, no side. question about it. All right, Robert Holman, how about you, buddy? Uh, yes, I, uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to, uh, to, to Neil Baggett. Uh, from Mississippi, I don't I don't know if he's a friend of the podcast necessarily, but I know he's a he's a friend of uh, a friend of mine. He uh, won the Mississippi State Championship Challenge Series race at Magnolia Motor Speedway over the weekend. There there in Columbus, and it, I think it was his third series win of the year that clinched the uh, the Mississippi uh, Championship Challenge deal. It clinched his championship. Uh, that series just wrapped up. That was the last race of the year for them. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to him because I know it's one of those tours that I actually covered the very first year that that, that series ran in 2001 uh, when I was working at National Dirt Digest. So I'm very familiar with the tour. I'm very familiar with its history. And I know it's one of those deals where I, I got out to those events often back in the day. And now because of just the explosion of series, the explosion of, of tours and, and money in the sport. Uh, we don't get to cover that tour quite as much as we used to. Uh, so uh, I hate for a deal like that to kind of go under the radar for, for Neil to, to get his championship there on that series. Uh, so congratulations to him uh, on that series, I think, which is which if I, the first year is 01 and now is what? So that's 22, 22 years now for that tour to be running, which is pretty good for a series to keep after it, uh, even though it, it uh, is not necessarily where it used to be in terms of, of, of on our list just because of, of everything else going on in the late model world. Uh, it's just become a very crowded pool. So congratulations to Neil. Uh, it's a well-deserved win. Uh, and a well-deserved championship for for one of the the good guys in our sport. I always love a good Neil Baggett shout out during the Dirt Reporters. Congrats uh, to Neil on a big time win there. Uh, my one more thing is giving a shout out to uh, a guy that's won Lucas Oil races. A guy that's always makes noise in the Florence area. Josh Rice picked up his biggest career payday of fifteen thousand twenty-two dollars at Lake Cumberland. That guy in that area has really become the top regional guy in that Northern Kentucky, you know, Kentucky, Southern Ohio area. Every time he unloads, I think either at Moeller, he's always around up there up front, obviously Florence and now Lake Cumberland, $15,022 for Josh Rice. I'm sure his dad, father Rice, Jerry is very proud of him, but I just want to give him a shout out there uh, before we head to Labor Day weekend, which is uh, always crazy to, you know, think about that we're towards the end of the season which means one thing, we got the Hillbilly 100. The World of Outlaws are in Wisconsin and Minnesota. We'll have highlights of that. We'll have live video as well. Local, regional, or local weekly uh, 
tracks are ending up their points championships as well. So be sure to check those out as Todd Turner is always dialed in each and every week. Uh, then next week, fellas, is the World 100. So cannot wait for that, which is hard to believe. Uh, 53rd annual. Going to be at the Big Eldora. The Big E. Um, be sure to keep your browsers locked right in at DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. I'm Derek Kessinger. Till next time, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching. Thank you.